0: Yeah, it's really good to be with you here this morning. Um, ah. Think back, March 2020. You may not want to. Um, Do you know, it's quite amazing that during the pandemic, and especially through those lockdowns that we seem to have one after the other, just how many people got into jigsaw making? Now, just out of curiosity, that's all. Pop your hand up if over the last couple of years during the pandemic, you yourself made a jigsaw. Just... Oh, we've probably, I don't know, is that 50 No, no, maybe not quite 50%. Interesting, isn't it? The fact is, the sales of jigsaws rocketed over pandemic. And um, the reason I'm mentioning that is because, just for today, I think the image of a jigsaw conveys a helpful message. And it is a simple message, it is this. One big picture, but many pieces. That might seem obvious. Of course it is. That's the very nature of what a jigsaw puzzle is. The ability to be able to piece those little individual pieces together to make this one big picture. I wonder if it's a little bit like food sometimes. You know, you sit down to a meal. One meal. But many components to this meal, many ingredients. Take, for example, and I'm bound to use this as an example because I am really a Devonian, born in Devon. Take a scone, for example. Oh, I knew I'd get that. <laughs> Take a scod, for example. <laughs> How can you possibly have it without jam and cream? Hmm? Butter? I don't disagree with you. A little spread of butter. Then jam. (laughs) And then the biggest blob of clotted cream on top. I mean... (laughs) It feels like sacrilege, doesn't it, to just eat a dry scone. You've got to have maybe the butter. You've got to have the jam. You've got to have the cream. But I haven't come here to talk about jigsaws and food, have I? Look, would it surprise you if I said to you that in our, as Christians, becoming... More and more like Jesus, there are many ways in order for that to happen. And that's really the crux of today's talk. We're going to be looking at some of the many ways that we kind of adopt, that we do um, our practices, if you like, as Christians in order for us to become more and more like Jesus. Kind of, that's the goal, that's the aim, that's the reason, that's the purpose. That I might be more like Jesus. And there are many ways in which that can actually happen. Because just imagine for a moment, if I was to say, or anyone was to say, if you want to become more like Jesus... All you have to do is read the Bible. This is the Christian's book. This is what we call the Word of God to us. And this is all you have to do. Read the Bible. Memorize the text. Study it. Learn it. It's all about reading the Bible as if that is the way to become a full Christian. Or even super Christian, if you like. And believe me, I was tempted to um, have super Christian on my shirt and just burst it open in front of you all. But then I thought, how inappropriate that would be, if not disturbing. (laughs) Of course, of course. Reading the Bible is a good thing to do as Christians. It's a a great thing to do. It's an important thing to do as Christians. And it's one of the practices that we adopt as Christians. We do this. We read the Bible. And it's one of the ways in which we can become more and more like Jesus. But there is more. It's not just about Reading the Bible, there is more. So we're going to explore together, quite simply, this concept that there are there are many ways, and there are a number of practices that we as Christians adopt so that we might become more like Jesus. Now, because I'm going to cover the concept of this, we're not going to go in depth as far as these practices are concerned. To be honest, some of them we've already covered in previous teaching. Some we're going to cover over the next few weeks. So that's where the depth is going to be as far as the individual practices are concerned. But this is just a little bit of a summary, a little bit of capture all, and working with this concept. And I wonder how you feel about this concept. I'm, I'm suggesting this to you. So I'm going to read a few verses from the Bible, of course. This is from the Gospel of Luke, and here we're going to find the example that Jesus himself set. We're going to find that Jesus himself engaged, at least within these few verses, already with three practices that I'm going to suggest to you. So I'm reading from the third chapter of Luke and verse 21. When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son whom I love, with you I am well pleased. Now, Jesus himself was about 30 years old when he began his ministry, when he began his work amongst us. And I want you to notice straight away how we've got this example of Jesus engaging with three practices. I'm going to suggest six this morning, and these are three straight away in those few verses. Jesus engaged with prayer. So it was as he was praying. He also engaged with the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit descended upon him. And he engaged with, I want to say the word of God, but here it's it's expressed as the voice of God speaking. Because there was a voice. That came from heaven and spoke those amazing words to Jesus and about Jesus. So I think that we can call these three practices out straight away as good ones for you and for me. As those who are seeking to follow Jesus and become more and more like him. First of all, it's about prayer. Then we have the Holy Spirit. And then we have the word of God. But let's carry on because you'll see this building now. Let's pop over to Luke chapter 4, just the next chapter, verse 1. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the desert, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was hungry. Not surprised at that. The devil said to him, if you are the son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man does not live on bread alone. And the devil tried again and again to tempt Jesus away from the things of God And each time, Jesus replied with this simple answer, It is written. So he's drawing upon the word of God. It is written. The voice of God. God has spoken to us. He's drawing on that. But notice this too, that when he went into the desert, and there he was tempted by the devil, he went full of the Holy Spirit. So again... What an example to us. Verse 14 of chapter 4. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He taught in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue, as was his custom, and he stood up to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. So again, here we have it. Jesus himself engaging with the Holy Spirit, engaging with the word of God. And you can't help but look at this and feel that Jesus is setting an example to us, an example to follow. Jesus did this. So as Christians, so should we. He relied on the Word of God, and he read it, he learned it, he knew it, he applied it. So should we. He relied on the Holy Spirit. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came upon him. And we're in the same situation of needing the Holy Spirit upon us and in us. And he prayed, and so should we. Here's the example that Jesus himself is setting So there is a, I think there is a simplicity in our journey of becoming more like Jesus. And that is to look at Jesus and to follow his example. There is that simplicity with this. But listen. Our becoming more like Jesus is about becoming and not doing. The doing is there, it's in the mix, and it's important. And kind of, we have to have some element of doing so that the becoming is possible. But the emphasis, the reason, the purpose is in our becoming more like Jesus. We can't rely on what we do, because what we do won't get us there. And we know that it's not through what we do that we earn our forgiveness as it were no it's not it's about who we are in jesus christ it's about relationship with god and do what jesus did yes i mean that's a great guide to us but it's not just about the doing if it were i think we'd miss the intention altogether it is about who we are in jesus christ it's about the why we do the things that we do it's about the motives and the intentions of the heart and and it is a matter of the heart i just feel we've got to grasp that but sometimes it's just helpful to have a framework and and some people like a framework i know others prefer not to but But what we find is that as community... It's really good when we share with one another those things that help us along the way. Those things that encourage us. Those things that help us become more and more like Jesus. As community, we, we kind of share these things with another. With another. We, we, we bounce these things off each other. And we encourage each other to read the Bible, to pray. And then we do it together. We read the Bible together like we've done this morning. And we pray together. And so there's that aspect of... Of, of we've we've learned along the way together, and of course over time, some practices, generally and widely, have been accepted as good and helpful, in terms of our relationship with God. Are becoming more like Jesus. So this is just a suggested framework of six practices that capture what we can do but the aim the purpose the bottom line is that we might become more like Jesus because that's the theme of this current teaching series Steve opened it up to us last week and and we're carrying it through no he didn't two weeks ago because Stu was last week Here are six suggested practices as a framework. One is contemplation involving prayer and worship. Secondly, the word of God. And how privileged we are to have a Bible so readily available to us. The Holy Spirit. Fourthly, social justice. Then holiness or real life, we'll come on to that. And lastly, whole life. We'll come on to that. So I've already made reference to the first three. We've looked at those verses around the baptism and the temptation of Jesus. And there was prayer. There was the Holy Spirit. And there was the word of God. So I don't want to repeat those. But just consider those first three. I wonder... How surprised or not you were to see social justice land on this list. Now when I read from Luke 4, I stopped at the point when Jesus was in the synagogue. And he was going to read from the word of God and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. Was handed to him. Let's just continue. This is verse 18. And this is what Jesus read from the word of God. The spirit of the Lord is on me. Because he has anointed me. To preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. And recovery of sight for the blind. To release the oppressed. So can you see how Jesus was expressing that his work, because he said, this applies to me. I have come to fulfill this. I have come to do this. You're going to see this happen right in front of your eyes. This is what Jesus was saying to all those people in the synagogue, even though he was reading from ancient texts. And here Jesus covers matters of injustice, the poor, the imprisoned, the blind, the oppressed. And as we consider the poor and the vulnerable and the disadvantaged around us, and as we as Christians take action to meet these needs, to address these issues, to to bring justice where there is injustice, then we are doing what Jesus did himself, and we're following his example, and we are becoming more and more like Jesus. And this is partly why we as a church engage with things like the food bank, and a seniors group, and a simple community cafe, that we're just wanting to speak out into a world of injustice and to bring the very justice of God and this is part of it so that's why social justice is on the list but the fifth practice i mentioned is that of holiness and or, or real life um, might be a, a, an easier description because I, well yeah this needs a little bit of an explanation Because this is all about transformation in me and in you. Transformation from the inside out. This is about integrity and honesty. And this is where we consider our behavior and our motivation. This is when holiness impacts what we do when no one else is watching. That we're still a Christian when we're all on our own and no one is with us, no one sees us. We're still living a life and putting into practice the things that we've learned. And and this is about my life and it's one of integrity, it's one of honesty, it's one of openness. Even when no one is watching. This really is a sobering thought because how different are we when we think no one's watching? And I know that's when the temptations come in. I know that's when in front of church, in front of our fellow Christians, in front of other people. I'm a Christian and and I'm trying to live a, a life that looks a bit like Jesus. But when I'm all on my own and I'm tempted to look at pornography no one's watching no one will know what they see this is the depth that this one goes to this is about holiness this is about the real life inside what do we do how do we act how do we behave when no one else is watching this is what happens in the secret place within our hearts. And living a life that is holy is all about being shaped by Jesus. Rather than being shaped by the world. Which so often is broken and just wrong and focused on self. And, but we look at Jesus and see, oh that's a different way. Those are different values. And I need to put that into my heart and my will, and my life. So we turn aside from those deeds, those acts that belong to darkness, and we walk in the light, the light. Jesus said, I am the light of the world, and we walk in that light, even when no one is watching. And notice that that is exactly what Jesus did. You get the impression that Jesus was alone in the desert place. Yes, the devil came and tempted him again, again, again. But you just get the impression no one else was there, no one else was watching. And yet Jesus remained true, absolutely true in his relationship with Father God. Lastly, whole life. And this does need a little bit of explanation too, what on earth does this mean but i want to make this really simple for each and every one of us i think here we recognize that it is the whole of our lives that are meant to be of worship and service to god this is when we say things like this our faith is not for sundays only need to get that it's when we say when you are at work, then you are serving God because he has given you that job. He has equipped you with skills and knowledge and experience to do that work. You're engaging probably with people around you or doing something for other people and your, your day job, That's, that gets counted. It's really, really important. You know, this is this is you when you're at home raising children that that you should sense God smiling on you for this chapter of your life when maybe you're not out to work, but you're at home with your children. And these days, not many people have that ability very often. Everyone's out to work as well as raising children. Of course, they are. But it counts, it gets included. It's part of who I am and it's part of my whole life. That's why this is part of our practice. It's the whole of my life that is of worship and service to God. It all gets counted, it is all important. So we, we want to say things like, when you go out for a walk, then notice God. See him in all that is around you. Observe what God is doing when you're just out for a walk. What about when you engage with a hobby or with sports or, you, you know, you, you take exercise. Then, then that's good. Yeah. That's great for your own well-being? Yes. Can you sense that that is pleasing to God as well? When you invest in something that does you good, because we should look at our well-being and and, and be the best me that I possibly can, and different things work for different people, We're we're all different. I mean, who else supports Leeds United, for example? But these are things that kind of, they're part of... A little bit part of who I am because I know it just does me good. And can you sense that God is pleased with those things as well? This is the whole of life. So we stop placing different parts of our lives into boxes. We stop saying this. That when I go to church on Sunday, that is spiritual. When I go to work on Monday, that is secular. It's when we stop saying that and we acknowledge that however we may or may not enjoy Monday morning and going to work. That that is part of my service and my reasonable worship to God. In the workplace, doing the best job that I possibly can. And that is whole life. I kind of feel it's really obvious at this point, and some of you will know this well enough, to quote Eric Liddell. You might remember him from the film... Chariots of Fire, based on the true story of Eric Little, who was a sprinter. He ran in the 1924 Olympics in Paris. And he said this I believe God made me for a purpose, but he also made me fast. And when I run, I feel God's pleasure. I kind of love that. I mean this man got called to be a missionary in China. And felt that really was the purpose that God had for him. But he was fast. He knew how to run fast. He was in the Olympic Games. And, he, and there was that sense. When I run. Even then I feel God's pleasure. This is the whole of life. So. Let's take this as permission if we felt we even needed the permission that when we're out playing sport, out for a walk, fulfilling a hobby, we don't have to feel guilty about that. That's time well spent. We can do that. It's the whole of life. That's part of me and who I am. And we're all different. We'll all have a whole range of sports and football teams we support, rugby teams and hobbies and pastimes and pursuits. And it's part of the whole of life. But I can honour God in all those areas. This is the point we're trying to make. So today I have suggested, it's just a suggestion, this framework, six practices That we can adopt in our own lives as a way of becoming more and more like Jesus. And this is a a way of doing life. And this is a way of helping us encounter God. But, of course there's a but with this. I, I feel this is important to say. When it comes to these six practices that I've mentioned. Prayer, the word of God, the Holy Spirit. The whole of life. Holiness. That's five. Social justice. Six. I want to suggest three do nots and three do's when it comes to this list of six. First of all, do not make this a checklist that you have to tick off. Every day, every week, every month, every year. It's not a checklist. Oh, I have to do those six things all the time, every day, every week. And that's all it becomes. So don't do that, will you? Secondly, don't turn it into the six commandments. As if we have to do this all the time. And if we don't, somehow God is angry with us. We've broken the the law. We've broken one of the commandments. It's not that. Thirdly, do not turn it into a dull routine kind of thing. That somehow sucks the very life out of it. And makes it a real burden instead Of making it life-giving. And that's what it's meant to be. Life-giving. So those are three do-nots. But do find a way. To make this framework personal to you. Workable in your life. In your situation. And if it looks different in your life. Compared to someone else. I think that's how it should be. Because we are all different. So adapt it to Make it personal and natural for you and your situation and your circumstances. That's different for all of us. Do find a way of engaging with others, involving them in that that's why we believe in church being gathered and we believe in community and Stuart touched a lot on community last week that these are things we don't just do in isolation but we do together and we encourage each other we spur each other on and we'll challenge each other as well so we do it together and lastly do accept That some might find a different framework. You might not like these six practices. You might not like the language. You might say, I'd rather it were five. And others might say, why isn't it ten? So we get that. That's fine. That's okay. This isn't law. This isn't compulsory. It's a suggestion that's been built up from... Lots of Christians doing these things over a long period of time. It's a suggested framework. Because I know that some people will say, the last thing I want is to be given a list. And Derek, you've kind of given me a list. Six things. Except I wonder if you're already doing all of that, really, without making it a list. You're already doing that, really, because you're following the example of Jesus. You're already doing that, really, without consciously giving it a structure. So some people don't like a framework. They don't want it to look like this or that or the other. They kind of just want to take each day as it comes and and be free. And I think that's okay. So understand that because that's my big caveat on everything that I've said today. But give it a go. Look at it yourself. Because there is a lot to be said that when those things are in good balance in our lives, we're getting closer in our relationship with God. We're we're walking more closely with Jesus. We're becoming more and more like him. And maybe because, I don't know, maybe because of our personality, partly. Maybe because of our upbringing, partly. Maybe because of our church background, partly. We might focus on Two or three of those practices. A lot. And not so much on the others. And there's much to be said of having a good balance across them all. For maturity. For being more like Jesus. Looking more like him. So why not give a focus on those that you think. "Ooh, I'm not so keen on that one. Um, I'm not so strong on that one. But others, you, you find that's a lot easier. So maybe there's something of that because there's one thing that i i dislike i don't want to upset anyone because this might be your language i don't know i hate it when people say you know i'm a christian of the word i'm a christian of the spirit this is a bible-based church this is a spirit-led church i find those things the most unhelpful things ever because it should be both it should be all And sometimes those kind of descriptions just don't help at all. And I think we should see the balance. And I think, I've just got to go back to what I said at the beginning. The process of our becoming more and more like Jesus is through many ways. Not one way only. I'm going to end there, except I have to say this. I have to say this. It's not on the list if that's uh, what I've done today. Maybe because it's not so much ongoing practice as a little bit one-off. But Jesus was baptized. Come on, guys. Have you been baptized? I've got to ask you that question. As a Christian, have you been baptised? Here at Ebby Church, we would love to have a baptism. We would love the privilege of baptising you. I think it would do us good as as a community, as a family, as a church, to have a baptism. I don't know why you're not baptised or if there's a barrier that's just stopping you. But the imperative kind of is believe and be baptized. And if Jesus was baptized, shouldn't we even more so? I don't know. But hey, if you haven't been baptized, please speak to one of us. Because we'll get a date in the diary. We'll meet up and chat it through if you'd like to. And we will have a baptism because we would love to do that. So I had to mention it because it was there in the text. But it wasn't actually on my list. But don't forget, it wasn't a list. It wasn't a list. A framework, suggestions, whole of life, everything that we do.